Jimmy's Table. Hey everybody, you're listening to the Jimmy's Table podcast, jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where I like to have conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. Today is episode 38, where I'm going to talk about the danger and beauty of hope. That's right, the danger and beauty of this thing that we call hope. Hope is something I think that is familiar to all of us. It's Something, though, I think when we define it that we have to realize is more than just a positive outlook on life. It's more than just wishful thinking. And it's more than just saying a prayer and hoping for the best possible outcome. Real hope is something that I believe is a a deep longing and expectation that we all ultimately have about the future. It's something that comes from deep within our souls and causes us to be fixated on a world that is yet to come. It's something that when we look towards the future, we are willing to say, I'm going to place my bet on that. I'm going to hang my hat on that at the end of the day. People ultimately don't hope for what they have. They hope for ultimately something that is yet to materialize in their life and circumstances and this world. And hope can be a beautiful and dangerous thing. And you heard me right. Hope can be a dangerous thing. When we are fixated on the future, I believe that hope makes us sometimes blind to seeing things as they are. And uh, hope makes it impossible to see anything but what we're hoping for in this life. Um, And as a result, we can sometimes wander down a road that we probably should have never taken. Thinking back on my life, (laughs) I think about uh, the first time I got engaged. And if you haven't heard that episode, check out the episode I did with my... uh, wife, who was the second woman I got engaged to. Um, (laughs) uh, I'll I'll link to it in the show notes at jimmystable.com for those of you who haven't heard that episode yet, uh, where I sit there and talk about those things with my wife, interestingly enough. Um, But as I previously previously had discussed, when I was was in my 20s, I was in a relationship with somebody other than my wife that I got engaged to. Relationship was about four or five years long. Uh, and had a pretty lengthy engagement. Uh, I dated this one particular girl for a year, then we got engaged, and then, well, we stayed engaged for a long time, and things eventually petered out. Uh, In retrospect, looking back at that relationship, um, there were many good things that I ultimately enjoyed about that relationship, but there were a lot of things that I refused to see even from very early on, warning signs that ultimately told me this was probably not going to work out. But the hopes that I had that it would (laughs) blinded me from looking at things in a healthy and holistic way. Uh, It kept me from really judging and assessing the relationship and and from seeing uh, the things that should have caused me to probably pull the plug on it earlier than the plug got pulled on that relationship and my hopes ultimately about the future made me ignore present realities 
made me ignore the warning signs, made me ignore the, the warnings of friends and family who kind of raised an eyebrow and scratched the top of their head and speak uh, into my life. But, you know, I was hopeful and I was in love. So those two things kind of made for a deadly, toxic elixir that uh, made me ignore the things that I should not have ignored. And I think this time of year, because at the time of the recording of this podcast, we're going into the Christmas season. At the time of this re- podcast being recorded, it's only 11 days till Christmas. Um, and with that comes the new year as well. Um, and I believe, you know, it's the hopes of Christmas and the hopes of the new year can, you know, kind of often make us sort of vulnerable. People that are looking to take advantage of us and to prey upon all of our hopes and dreams, well, they come out in full force <laughs> this time of year. Uh, as people start to think of a new year and then all the new opportunities to, to become a new you and take an inventory of their life, they start thinking of the setbacks and failures that plagued them this past year. And uh, they start to hope and think, well, maybe this year will be different. And they'll make foolish resolutions, they'll make short-sighted plans, all hoping that things will be better. Um, And nonsensical prophets will come forward and speak these sort of fortune cookie style predictions about the year of Jubilee and this being your year and that this year you're finally going to accomplish what you've longed to accomplish and this year God's going to rain down all sorts of blessing on you and you're going to overcome your circumstances and you're going to climb that mountain uh, that you've been challenged with all year long. Uh, And they're going to, you know, talk about this finally being your year of the breakthrough. (laughs) God's got a plan for your life. Uh, sort of stuff. And uh, they come out in full force this time of year for the for those of you who may be in the, the Pentecostal or charismatic wings of the church that I kind of frequented and haunt and still have connections to. Uh, this morning's for you. <laughs> so you'll have the people, well-intentioned as they may be, who prey on your hopes and fears and dreams about the year. All so they can, you know, bolster themselves and be known as prophets and, you know, seers and, and, and people who can predict the future and uh, to maybe make you feel a little bit better about yourself. Then you have folks who love to sell gym memberships for rock bottom deals of $10 a month. If you just come and pay $10 a month, you will lose all this weight and you will look good naked. <laughs> and you'll get in shape and you'll be firm and you'll be toned and you'll be desirable and people will want to be you and like you and with you and, and all that fun stuff. And so then you'll sign up for the gym membership and you'll go for a couple weeks, and then you won't anymore. And all the while, uh, their business model will continue to make a profit because they'll continue to debit your account for $10 a month while you never show up. And, uh, you know, they'll be happy to take your money. <laughs> and money that you'll easily forget. Money that means little to you, um, but uh, a lot more to them. And pyramid scheme folks, oh my goodness, the multi-level marketing people who are going to tell you about all the essential oils and weight loss supplements and formulas and plans and, and things that you can get on to, to, to improve your life. Not that they're real pyramid schemes. We're, we're not a real pyramid scheme. We're, you know, a multi-level direct marketing company. And, and uh, you know, we're not really caring about you 
signing people up. We just want you to buy these products and make you a better you and to make help. Don't you want to help your friends become better used too? You know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so, so be careful. Um, side note, I think every church should ban every multi-level marketed pyramid scheme person that darkens their door. Uh, but hey, that's just me. <laughs> uh, so be careful about all the direct marketing uh, people that are out there and all the other people who you know, want some slice of the pie that you have. Um, be weary of such people who prey upon your hopes and dreams uh, at this dangerous time of year. And then, of course, I'm reminded of the powerful scene that we get if you ever watch the awesome movie with Morgan Freeman and uh, that other guy in it, uh, Shawshank Redemption, where Andy Dufresne, uh, after coming out of two weeks in solitary confinement, sits down with his friends in jail at lunch, and he talks about the, the time he had in solitary confinement as a result of breaking the prison rules and playing Mozart, uh, you know, and he talks about how uh, that mu music uh, filled him and that the two weeks he did in solitary confinement were the easiest two weeks of his life. Uh, and he talks about uh, how, you know, that they may be able to take a lot of things from me in this prison, but they can never take me of, uh, they can never take my hope away. They can never take that from my heart. Um, and then Morgan Freeman's character looks at Andy like he's nuts. And he, and he says, and gets very upset at Andy and says, um, you know, how hope can kill a man. And uh, how men who like him were in prison for decade after decade, um, whose hopes uh, ultimately became something of a rope that would slowly hang men um, and dash their hopes and dreams into pieces and break their hearts and, and cause them to ultimately uh, take their lives. And so Red has this powerful exchange in that movie with Andy uh, when, he, when he talks about uh, saying, let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. Uh, and we remember that line, and it kind of reminds me of uh, Proverbs 13.12 that talks about how hope deferred can make the heart sick, uh, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I think we've all ultimately been there one way or the other when it comes to hope. We know the dangers associated with hope. We know about hoping for things that never materialize in this life and how those things, when they didn't, um, just dashed our lives to pieces, whether it be uh, broken relationships, job opportunities, uh, things to do with our health, things to do with our loved ones, uh, how we hoped that so-and-so would get better and we prayed earnestly for them uh, and their disease and their cancer and, and, and then they died. We know what it's like to have our hopes smashed and our dreams uh, and, and to be robbed of our dreams and how just absolutely gut-wrenching and sick uh, that can make us when those things ultimately happen. So hope, it can be a dangerous thing. I think we need to keep that in mind. But not to despair, I think hope can also be a beautiful thing. And we also see that play out wonderfully in the Shawshank Redemption. Um, if you watch the movie in full, if you remember it. Uh, you know, really, hope is the central theme of 
of that movie. Um, and it's it's not just purely about a prison break and and Andy Dufresne uh, escaping from prison, um, but it's the hope that drove Andy, uh, who was you know if you never saw the movie, spoiler alert, he was wrongly accused and and uh, of murder and uh, ultimately got in prison for it anyway. Um, but we, we see how hope slowly and methodically uh, ultimately causes Andy's character to, to plan his, his prison break and how, how many decades passed while he slowly and quietly chipped away at the concrete wall in his prison cell, digging out a hole, a pocket full of, of concrete at a time, um, with nothing more than just a little pickaxe that he, he ordered through the mail and had smuggled in for him. Uh, just a little miniature pickaxe and how he just wore that thing down to the nub over many years. Uh, and how that hope fueled his dreams of escape and, uh, you know, eventually caused him to escape from his prison. Um, and then at the end of the movie, the, the movie ends with him writing a letter uh, to his friend Red, who had previously thrown the idea of hope in his face and how hope was this dangerous thing that would ultimately cause a man to go insane and to kill himself. Uh, he wrote a letter to his friend Red saying, you know, hope is a good thing. And maybe it's the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. I don't know about you, but I like that. And that'll preach. <laughs> That will preach, my friends. And I believe as Christians, especially those of you who are Christians, and I think most of you who listen to my podcast are, um, maybe not all of you, but uh, I believe as Christians, we need to be filled with hope. Hope not only for the good things in this life, but hope of the things to come and that is bigger than this life. I believe hope, you know, is a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. It can encourage us to set goals for the future, just kind of like Andy Dufresne did in prison as he was trying to escape. Uh, and it causes us to start to order our lives and live in anticipation of the things that we expect to one day become a reality. And that's exactly what Andy did in, uh, you know, Shawshank Redemption. He, he started ordering his life in light of the expectation that one day he would escape um, and so that hope ultimately fueled, uh, his creative escape attempts. And I think hope, you know, ultimately fuels the creativity and ingenuity we have as human beings. I don't think we would be creative and I don't think we would be the, in, in uh, in, you know, the, the, the individuals and show the ingenuity that we have as humans. I don't think that could happen apart from hope. Um, you know, I think about my own life and I think about the struggles that I had when I was uh, a mailroom clerk and copy errand courier boy at a law firm and how over three years I, you know, was at this job that uh, really didn't pay very much and, you know, I had to work a second job in order to, as I talk about in prior episode, uh, be lucky to be broke. <laughs> um, and you can check out that episode in the show notes again, jimmystable.com. Uh, for this episode uh, 38. And, uh, you know, but that hope ultimately fueled me um, to search out for a better career and not just accept that this was it 
and that I was going to be nothing more than a mailroom clerk for the rest of my life and that I was going to be uh, nothing but poor and lucky to be broke. Um, so I, I pounded the pavement and I did crazy things fueled by hope. Um, like one weekend or over the course of a couple weekends rather, I, I took the time to research jobs that I was interested in and find the names of important people at places that I would like to work at. And I mailed out 300 t- custom tailored resumes <laughs> to all sorts of people in the greater Charlotte area, uh, seeking employment opportunities and uh, all in search and hope for a better life. Now that would all come tumbling down when I would send out those 300 resumes uh, and I would have my heart broken and my hopes dashed to pieces when I would send out all those resumes and get no more than one or two responses and then still not get a better job. (laughs) Ah, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, just as Proverbs says. Uh, and as Red said in prison, you know, hope will drive a man insane. Um, and it did drive me insane. And it did drive me, though, to push all the harder uh, to ultimately search for a better life in the life I was living. And while I was eventually, you know, rewarded uh, in the long term um, for the the efforts I put forward in blanketing the areas with resumes and doing all that I could to obtain a better job and better life. Um, a life that I now get to live uh, as a quote-unquote big bad banker. Um, you know, uh, that hope uh, fueled me, but it was a hope that uh, you know wasn't without uh, much stress and problems uh, associated with it. But you know, as a result of doing all those things, Um, The longings of my heart were ultimately fulfilled. Uh, And just as Proverbs 13.12 says, uh, those longings became a tree of life. And my life has uh, not been the same ever since. Uh, So much progress has happened in my life since those moments of uh, hope and heartbreak and sorrow and dismay. Um... And my life has been changed for the better. But, you know, I believe at the same time, the lives of other people have been changed for the better. Um, and I won't go into all the, the details of, of things that have happened since um, that have helped make my life better and, and make other lives better for other people. Um, but I will just say enough for now that it has. Uh, so hope has been a dangerous thing and terrible thing in my life. But hope has also been a beautiful thing. And I think this Christmas season, this New Year season that we're in, um, you know, it teaches ultimately that hope is something that we should cherish and relish. relish. Uh, um, and most of us live at this time of year uh, in hope. We hope to have a great time at parties. We hope to reconnect with friends and family. We hope to receive awesome gifts for Christmas. You know, we love all those things, and so we look forward to this time of year. I don't know about you, but for me, uh, you know, and as I imagine for many people, you know, Christmas is a season of great joy. Uh, It's a time of much celebration, Um, and it's something that we all ultimately enjoy, as well as the New Year's. And I think 
Um, we learned that not only because of just the, even in the secular version of Christmas that our society uh, teaches, but, you know, something that we learn through the Gospels. Um, we learn to be hopeful. Um, and we look, learn to always look forward to the thing that God is doing in this world. And that what he's doing through the coming of Jesus Christ, uh, not only in the first coming of Jesus Christ, but in the second coming of Jesus Christ, um, in the creating of a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Um, and the Bible refers to that second coming and the coming of the new heavens and the new earth um, that we are experiencing now and yet to come. Um, you know, this is called the blessed hope of our faith in which Jesus Christ will ultimately return and receive all those that are looking forward to his coming and all that is ultimately associated with his coming. So I believe as Christians, we ultimately need to be filled with such hope and such hope should dominate our lives and be something that marks us as a people. Uh, and we need to be able to say with the deepest longings of our heart, um, the, the saying that we find at the end of the book of Revelation, come Lord Jesus, come. And for us to hope that he comes soon, uh, because we realize uh, all the amazing things that are going to happen um, with the second coming of Christ. And... With such, I believe we see, <laughs> if I might quote that movie again, Shawshank Redemption, uh, that hope is indeed a good thing, the best of things. Um, and hope is what fuels us and keeps us alive and moving forward. So even though there might be a negative thing associated with hope, uh, and you know we should keep that in mind, I think the beauty of the things that hope entails far outweighs the negative. And, you know, we can live this life um, with saying, well, I don't want to get my hopes up because I'm just afraid of them getting dashed to pieces. Uh, you know, I've, I've known some people like that. I, you know, sometimes I've been that person that I don't, I have low expectations about the future. I don't live in hope of much. And I think we've kind of all been there at some times if we're being honest with ourselves. Um, but my faith ultimately teaches me as a Christian um, that even though there may be some dark days ahead in my life, um, things that I didn't even anticipate and maybe things sometimes actually working out the opposite of what I hoped for. Um, you know, you can read about that in Hebrews chapter 11 about how uh, some of the, uh, the heroes of our faith, you know, they hoped for things in this life that never materialized. Um, but we're reminded that their hope ultimately wasn't in vain um, because the hope of those things would ultimately materialize in ways that were greater than they could have even anticipated um, in their expectations about the future um, with the things that Christ ultimately came to fulfill. So let us have hope. Let us be filled with hope not only for things in this life, good things in this life. Um, but let us hope ultimately in the things that are to come with Christ and the um, breaking of the kingdom of God into the present reality and into the future reality. Um, 
that uh, Jesus ultimately taught that the kingdom of God would be uh, for us in this life and the life to come. Let us live with that hope um, and let us look forward uh, with eager expectation that, uh, you know, no matter what happens in this life, I have put my hope in something that is greater than this life. Um, and even while that makes a difference in the here and now, uh, as something that even if things don't work out as I want them to, I know in whom I have hoped. And he is a sure thing. And he is something that I can ultimately hang my, hang my hat on and place all my trust in. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, episode 38, The Danger and Beauty of Hope. Check me out, jimmystable.com. If you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, you can reach me at jimmystable.com where I have my Facebook, Twitter links. Uh, you can email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com. I would love to hear from you. Uh, share your stories with me. Tell me about the, the, the dangers and hangups of hope, but also tell me the stories of beauty associated with hope. Uh, tell me what you hope for. Share, share your hopes with me. Share your dreams with me. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Jimmy at jimmystable.com. Take care, everybody, and God bless. And uh, I hope you are filled with much hope, especially at this, this holiday season for those of you who are listening at the, the Christmas time and New Year's. Air smudge. Hello all, this is Bridge Levoit, and I recommend near-death experiences to everyone. Oh, well, I, I don't know if I like the way that sounded. But I did make a whole podcast on this um, to explain that crazy statement. I had Jimmy Humphrey on the Wax Museum to talk about his near-death experience, and I talked about mine, and what we learned from our near-death experiences. Listen to episode 58 of the Wax Museum on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or thewaxmuseum.org.